0: Well, I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel is one of the major prophets, not because it's more important, just because it's bigger. And, uh, and it's majorly complex at some points, I would say. Uh, it's an interesting book. Uh, I gave the theme to this series, settled in the sovereignty of God. Settled at peace, resting. Um, there's, a, there's a place of safe harbor, as it were, that we find... When we understand how sovereign God is, even on the darkest of days, God is good, He is faithful, He is sovereign, He's at work. And it's good for us to learn this now as we uh, anticipate the days ahead. None of us know in five years what we will be living in. One of the things we can see is a, a, a trajectory that is not looking great for our nation, Especially the last few years, we've seen some, some spiraling, you might say. There is a moral collapse on display. And we find ourselves in a, a different but kind of similar situation that God's people have found themselves in countless times before. How do we respond? One of the things we look to then is the Word of God. We look to the God of the Word and we settle our hearts and and. and, and set our steps, as it were, in the sovereignty of God. The theme verses, I think, that would sum up all of Daniel are found in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 uh, through 22. He says this, Daniel answered and said, "'Blessed be the name of God forever and ever "'to whom belong wisdom and might. "'He changes times and seasons. "'It is He who removes and sets up kings.'" He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. This is our God and we are going to behold his glory on display in this book. It is spectacular to watch how he works even in these dark days that Daniel found himself in. The book can be divided in half. It's a very fascinating book, highly complex when you think about it. In fact, it is one of the books of the Old Testament that contains both Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, Chapter 1 is Hebrew, chapters 2 through 6 are in Aramaic, and then the remaining chapters are in Hebrew. That's a fascinating thing to consider. As he is in exile, the language begins to shift, and yet he remains true and faithful to the Lord, and so that Hebrew uh, brackets the Aramaic in the, in the text. Chapters 1 through 6 give us the man, as it were, the prophet. We learn who he is. We learn uh, his example. How is he responding? He and his friends that we will meet soon. And in the second half, wow, things get really intense. It's like the book of Revelation, uh, only Old Testament just kicks up, and Daniel has these these blessings of God that give him a viewpoint, a vision into what is to come. So not only do we have the end of the story in the book of Revelation, we have the preface to the end of the story in the Old Testament, hundreds upon hundreds of years earlier, through Daniel's visions, and they match up. Isn't that awesome? One book we study, one book made up of all of the individual books that God authored For our benefit. We are blessed, my friends, to have this treasure in the Word of God. So today, we come to the first sermon in our series. I titled it Taken, Taken, Daniel 1, 1 through 7. And uh, let's just begin and get get into the the, the context here, the flow of these verses. Start in verse 1. I titled this A Devastating Judgment. Devastating Judgment. For those of you taking notes on the back of your sermon, or your bulletin, there's uh, some sermon notes to fill in. And, you know, if you haven't done this, it's a good time to start. Uh, If you move through an entire series and you have all these sermon notes, it is truly helpful to keep those and then reference them in years ahead as you study. A Devastating Judgment, verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem... And besieged it. Now that's a shocking introduction. That that, that should grab our attention. This is a huge deal. That right out of the gate, the book begins with a mind-blowing event. This isn't supposed to happen. What in the world? It Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon in Jerusalem. It should get our attention. Don't allow your familiarity with a book like this to take away the shock and awe of verses like this. This is just devastating to consider. Let's get in here and and, and look closer at some of these things. The Babylonian Empire was massive, absolutely massive. And God wielded this uh, this group as a sword in his hand of punishment and discipline. Look how big this empire stretches. I mean, it is a massive empire, and under Nebuchadnezzar, it was expanded and solidified, and this man, this man was a man of war. He was extremely successful. He did what others had not been able to do, and he did it decisively. King Nebuchadnezzar is, is no pushover. He is a dangerous man, a violent, brutal king, and he rules with an iron fist, and he has now besieged Jerusalem The backstory on this is fascinating. You remember that God's people did not stay true to the Lord, and as a result, the kingdom was splintered because of sin, because of disobedience to clear commands of of the Lord. The northern ten tribes broke away and even declared that Jerusalem was not necessary to come now to the temple any longer. And and so the, the, the ten northern tribes were the most liberal, the most compromised, and they faded first. God brought punishment and they were, they were taken out. In fact, many believe largely those tribes dissipated and yet the Lord preserves his remnant. God knows each of them and where they are. But the southern tribe, the southern kingdoms made up of Judah and Benjamin remained faithful to the Lord. At least <laughs> faithful, you know, quote, quote, faithful, they stayed true to the Lord, they stayed true in worship of the Lord, and they sought to follow the Lord in faithfulness. However, they too had their issues. And let me show you this. I hope you can see this, this list. It's a little bit small, but look at all the highlights here. This is the list of the kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. It starts with Rehoboam, and guess what? It starts out bad. Oh, those two at the top should be highlighted as well. Rehoboam and Abijah, both bad. Then a good king, Asa. And then Jehoshaphat. That's a fun thing to say when you're surprised, by the way. (laughs) Jehoshaphat! It's wonderful. He was a good king. Surprise! And then, look at the list. Three bad kings. And then four good kings. And then another bad king, Ahaz. He was terrible. And then the Lord raised up Hezekiah. 29 years of Hezekiah. And then down, two more bad kings. And then Josiah, the last of the good kings of Israel. And when I say good, I don't mean perfect. I don't mean perfect. Of course, David wasn't either, right? And then we run into Jehoiakim, number 18. Two kings from the end of the kingdom. It was ended by Babylon, by Nebuchadnezzar. So think about how this is unfolding. Listen to how this goes. The Lord gave. Don't miss that. In your Bible, underline that. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. That's Nebuchadnezzar's hand. With Along with some of the vessels of the house of God. So he went into the temple and he took holy and sacred items out of the temple. Well, that prevents faithful worship of Yahweh. He took those and he brought them To the land of Shinar. Now, if you remember that land, oh, the history on this. You remember the land of Shinar all the way back in Genesis. Nimrod and the land of Shinar, the Tower of Babel. This is this is age-old paganism. There's no worse place for items from the temple or the king to be hauled off to, and that's exactly where he's carted, along with items from the temple. And he placed them, Nebuchadnezzar placed these items in the house of his God, the, the the vessels in the treasury of his God. Emphasis here, lowercase g. This is devastating. Again, if you're a faithful Jew and you're a worshiper of Yahweh, you are having this massive theological issue because it says here the Lord gave the king and items from the temple. This is the hand of God bringing punishment as He said He would. Many places this is foretold. The prophets have been anticipating this and warning, turn turn from your sin. Don't continue in this path. If you continue down this road, God will bring a swift hand of devastating punishment. Violence and devastation. What we fail to, to, to feel as we read these words is Is all of the people who died in this? You've got to, you've got to, there's blood flowing in the streets, people being killed, cut down left and right. This is a violent and devastating siege on Jerusalem. Listen to how Jeremiah anticipated the hand of God in these events. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, that is the God who is over all the armies of heaven. Because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) by name he's called, the king of Babylon. And then God calls him my servant, this pagan, ruthless king. I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, against all these surrounding nations. And then you go down a couple of verses. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. What an amazing prophecy this is. Exactly 70 years. And that's exactly how it went. Many people believe the 70 year span was the exact amount of time that the land was not allowed to rest. Because they they disobeyed the Lord in the simple things that were commanded. Like, rest the land. Those 70 years were completed. Then, listen to how it goes. After those 70 years are, are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, that is, the culture of Babylon, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So, just you just got to step back and consider what's, what's going on here. God is saying to his chosen people, the Jews, you are disobeying me, I will discipline you with a swift hand. And I will do so through Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And I will discipline you, and when I'm done disciplining you, I will discipline them and destroy them. And he did. He did. Behold your God. Do you think it's a big deal to disobey God? Do you think it's a big deal to walk in the dark while claiming that you're walking in the light? Do you think God takes sin seriously? If the cross does not make that clear enough, spend a little time in the Old Testament. This is our God. He is not to be trifled with. You don't play games with the God of all glory. He is in charge. He is the sovereign. And He commands us to obey for our good. He loves us and He calls us in the path of obedience. It's the best, most satisfying path. And when we go into the weeds, He will bring a swift hand. Because He loves. So in 605, Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar came and took some captives to Babylon. Daniel was taken in this first exile. In 597, he came back because there was a king in Judah who was rebelling. He was like, listen, let's rebel against these Babylonians. We're sick of this. We don't want to be a nation state. And they rebelled and Nebuchadnezzar came back. And in this one, he hauled off Ezekiel along with many more people. Finally, the final king of Judea, Was rebelling, and Nebuchadnezzar said, That's it. I'm sick of this trip back and forth. I'm sick of hauling people back and forth. Let's just be done with it. And he leveled the city. He absolutely burned Jerusalem, took the temple to pieces, and that was it. That was it. So, our book is occurring and being written. As Daniel has been taken at the very beginning of this, uh, 606, 605, right in there, Daniel is hauled off. And by the way, he's 14 years old when he's taken. Most commentators believe that that is the age that he was when he was taken. Chosen for exile. Let's consider this. Verses 3 through 4a. Chosen for exile. Then the king commanded... Ashfinaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel. Now listen to how the list goes. Both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish. So young people. He wants young people from the royal family, from nobility, uh, who are good in appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. Okay, so there is a selection process that happens as they have obviously conquered the city. They have it under the grip of Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's hatched this plan. How are we going to rule these people? How are we going to take them down a notch so that they will be happy to sit under our hand and not cause problems? And his idea is let's take the young people, the, uh, the cream of the crop, as it were, the best and the brightest. And it becomes a bit of a brain drain on Judah. He takes the very brightest, those who are young and smart and good-looking, those leaders and thinkers and influencers, those who would most likely be a threat if they were left in the land. He takes them with, with him in all his, his uh, conquering uh, victory and he, and he hauls them Hundreds of miles, all the way from from Jerusalem, all the way back over to Babylon. You talk about feeling displaced. This would have been horrific. This is trafficking, if there ever was. Okay? This This is kidnapping, as it were. I can't imagine what this would have been like. So... Let's, let's just get a glimpse of this. If you are here, young people, you are, you are at the age of 12 up through 18, somewhere in there. Just stand. Oh, that's all. I won't make it come up here. Just stand up if you're 12 through 18, okay? Let's look around. The best and the brightest. That's what I'm talking about right here. Look. Now, just imagine this. They're gone. They're all gone. Okay, you guys can sit down. You don't have to leave. He takes them, and he has a plan. Now, I just want to ask you guys who stood, how in the world do you process that? You have been ripped from your home. Everything familiar is gone, and it's very likely that a number of them have parents who were killed in the onslaught. Devastating is is, is not even a good enough word for it. This This is... Life shattering to go through. We sometimes fail to see this as we're reading along. Oh, of course, he was taken to this and the exile. No, this is crazy. It would have taken everything familiar and turned it upside down. The big question is will these young people walk out? their loyalty to the Lord with firm conviction or will they drift and blend and do what is needed to be assimilated into the Babylonian culture? This is a test and the pressure has never been greater. Imagine what this would be like. Okay, just, let's just picture this. Let's say that China invaded our country with Total success, sweeping victory. Oh, give me chills. They're singing about it. And they come into our church as we're gathered here and out go all our young people. And, and and they're gone. And everything that we know changes. We are not allowed to worship. We cannot gather. They take all of our Bibles and they haul them off into their pagan, godless temples. And they use them as, as showpieces of the greatness of their gods and we are left in limbo land well all of our young people are hauled off to be brainwashed and assimilated that's 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 what it would be like now the school of babylon let's look in more detail at what nebuchadnezzar had in mind for these young people that he hauled away Verse 4b through 7. He took them to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Okay, so we have our, our introduction to Daniel and his buddies. They were all taken. This is an amazing plan. This, it's, it's nefarious for sure. It's, it's evil. He wants to take them and walk them systematically through a brainwashing scenario that they would become loyal now, loyal Babylonians. And then... Influence their homeland in the way of loyalty to this king. A full ride, three year scholarship, systematic pagan brainwashing. That sounds strangely familiar. (laughs) Just because you get a full ride does not mean you should go. You know what I'm saying? Now, in Daniel's case, he didn't have a choice. Oh, friends, parents, kids, listen, people are working so hard to get full-ride scholarships through sports or whatever it may be. Listen, just because you get a full-ride does not mean you're going to benefit at that school. This is the school of Babylon. It is a purposeful undoing of everything true and holy before God. And I can tell you this: there are few schools in our land that fail to do that in our day. They 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 just this is this is the age-old enemy, right? This is the way it worked great back then, and he keeps doing it nowadays. So, I'm not saying it can't work as a believer to go on campus in a pagan and godless place, but I would say, if you do, you better go in with your guard up and you better be ready for a full-on assault on everything you hold dear. And the first place they will go after is this, the ground upon which you stand. And they will chisel away in 10,000 different ways to undercut you and get you to turn your back on the God who is. A full ride, three-year scholarship, systematic pagan brainwashing. Let's look at some of the, the ways this list kind of builds this out. First of all, it begins with elitism. It's, it's an established class warfare. They don't take all the youths; They take the ones that they esteem more highly than the others. And so immediately, if you're chosen, you're, you're, you're tempted in pride to say, well, I qualified, you know? Oh, you guys... You have fun, you know, with the chickens. I'll be with the king. I don't know if that took place or not, but I would say there is an elitism that is woven in, and oh, how that continues in our day. You, you're you're progressive. You are progressing. You have an open mind. All the rest of these people are closed-minded. They're fundamentalists. They're old. They're archaic and outdated. The next thing is isolation. They take them from everything familiar. They take them from their families. They remove parents. Now, hear me out. Parents, stay involved. Do not let school people or anyone take your kids and separate you away from them in any way like that. that is a, that's brainwashing 101, They take them from their home, they take them from their parents' guardian care, and then they indoctrinate them. They pour garbage into their minds, and it's normal. After a little while, it becomes normal. Someone was saying, it's it's like when you walk into a room filled with cigarette smoke. It's so abrasive, it just slaps you in the face. Oh, I can't breathe. But stay in that room for four or five hours, and guess what? It becomes normal. It becomes the air that you breathe. It becomes, well, this is just normal. Indoctrination may begin in a subtle way, but it ramps up. It is never satisfied. It wants godlessness. It wants paganism. It wants you and everything you stand for indulgence they get the king's food they get the best of the wine they get to stand in the presence of the most powerful man on earth what would you compromise to get that we got to feel this in our day we go to costco right we, we can go to safeway this was hard work just living eating day by day you had to work for it not these people they were fed lavishly the king's food This is a huge thing. We don't have to work. We just have to be here and soak in all the stuff they're teaching and we get the best of the food, the choice wine. Hmm. Indulgence. Compromise is the goal. May start small. Build up from there. Simulation. Just bring them in. Just move them into the system of the world. Make them Babylonians. Make them forget their Jewish heritage. Friends, we are in the midst of this in our day. It's happening all around us. I'll say more about that in a minute. But just just to be reminded, this is not just a strategy of old. This is ongoing. It's happening today. Today. Destroy Jewish faith and culture and replace it, reprogram it with Babylonian paganism. Make them forget about the fact that they can't worship in the temple. Make them forget about all of the things they can't do and fill their minds with all the wonderful trappings of this dark age. That's Satan. Hmm. The chief of the eunuchs called... Uh, gave, gave their, them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. What's the thing with the names? Why, why the names? Don't, don't miss this. Identity. Confuse identity. Make it hard to answer the question, Who am I? Well, that sounds awful familiar as well, doesn't it? What should my pronouns be? Identity is the target. And it's the first thing they go after. They change their names. It gives me shivers to think how this is happening so successfully in our day and defended as for the people when it's absolutely destroying people's lives. Daniel's name, each of these Jewish names was significant, and each of them connected to the Lord himself. Daniel's name meant uh, meant God is judge. You see the L at the end of Daniel? It's God. So, judge God. God is judge. He is the judge. Hananiah means Jehovah is gracious. It It was a worshipful thing every time his name was spoken. Jehovah is gracious. Mishael, who is like our God? There's the L at the end. Who is like our God? And Azariah, the Lord helps. When these names were pronounced in Babylon, they were seen as horrific and looked down upon. They, these these adorn the God of, of Jews. We don't, we don't have that God here. And so they go after these names with mockery. And purpose, look at the way they changed the names. Here's the meaning of the new names. Belshazzar is a a prayer. May Bel, it's a false god of the Babylonians, protect. May Bel protect. Shadrach means the command of Aku, the moon god. He's a commander. So a play on the lordship now. Aku is the commander. Meshach, who is... Uh, who is like is what it should say. Who is like, uh, or who is what Aku is? And, and, the, and the, the previous name was who is like God, right? So who is what Aku is, is his new name. A purposeful slam on Yahweh. And Abednego, servant of Nebo. That's, that's one of the harder ones. Just think, as he, as he is referred to constantly, he is saying to himself, no, no, no that's not true that's not true you may call me that but that is not true the names right up front try to take them down at the level of identity and they will forget their god friends i hate to say this but babylon is already here we consider our day they're not at the border They're not knocking on the door. They're not trying to get in. They are here. Babylon is in full effect. Our culture is increasingly pagan and dark and godless. And the gloves are coming off. And the question is, where do you feel the pressure? And then, how are you responding? The reality is, is that the pressure is on. And there are many believers who are caving to it, compromise. There are churches today who are not preaching the word of God as they ought because of Babylon in their midst. Will we walk faithfully with our God or will we cave to the pressure to conform, to appease, to fit in? It's not fun standing out. We have so much to learn from Daniel and his friends. Oh, this is so relevant for our context in the day in which we find ourselves. Look around at what's happening here. Elitism, class warfare, all this CRT stuff is just set to divide and destroy. All of this, this, these movements with great labels are so purposefully slippery and toxic to unity, to true unity. They deny the gospel. Isolation, trying to keep people locked in their houses, on social media, on their devices, or kids removed from their parents' s- survey. Like, wh- what are they being taught? Well, you don't have the right to, to know that. Really? I'm their mom or dad. Like, wh- what do you mean I don't have the right? Let me just encourage you, Parents who have your children in school, public or private, public or private, tune in, just tune in, stay tuned in. This is a dangerous state right now, dangerous. Let me just tell you what's happening at Ferndale Middle School. You might not know this. There is a dressing room where a a child can arrive and be dropped off by their parents in the morning as a boy, and he can walk through the hallway and go to the dressing room and put on a dress. It's provided by the school system. And he can be a girl all day long, go where girls go. And then at the end of the day, he goes back and he puts on his boy clothes so his parents don't know what's going on. That's right there. Tune in. Tune in. Students, hear me out loud and clear. Listen close. Stand with the Lord. Stand with God. Talk with your parents. If something weird goes down at school, tell tell your parents. Let them know. Bring them in. Invite their involvement in your journey through school. It's so important, never more important than in our day. If there's a book assigned, make sure your parents see it. Read it with you. Tune in and be involved. These are dangerous times. Indulgence and and compromise, assimilation is the goal. And I'll tell you this, Christians are especially targeted. Especially so. We have to be aware. Faithful witnesses in a foreign land. That's what God has called us to be. That, that That is our assignment. Just as he put Daniel in Babylon, we are here strategically. Now listen. Who is the enemy? The enemy, we we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against powers and principalities. It is Satan and his cohort. And so remember that. Who's our mission field? Ferndale Middle School. Like we long to see people saved. We are here in the dark to shine. Not to wall up and and hide under the, 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 the bubble of Christendom. No. We're here by God's grace. And he put us here with a purpose. And yet, we need to be wise in how we shine, how we engage. Tune in. Be aware of what is taking place all around us. When you turn on your TV, the goal is assimilation. What will you laugh at? What will you watch? What will you join in with everybody else on your street at 7 p.m.? Be discerning, Christian. Stand out. Honor God. Be faithful. It just goes down the line. How do you think about theology when you read your Bible? Don't just follow the the path of ease. Stand on the word of God and be faithful. Faithful witnesses in a foreign land. There's so much to say on this point, and this book is going to build this out for us. It's good for us to study Daniel as we find ourselves in this situation. A response this morning, three things. Number one, never forget who you are in Christ. Never forget who you are in Christ. Let me just say this. If you are here and you are not a Christian, then don't let another day go by. You are in your sins. You are under the wrath of God. You need a Savior. Today you need a Savior. There is a Savior. I've got good news. His name is Jesus Christ. He obeyed everywhere that you failed, and he laid his life down to pay for the sin of everyone who looks to him in faith. So, today, run from the dark, turn from your sins, repent, and run to Jesus and be saved. You will never be the same. You will, never, you will be changed at the very core of who you are. For those who are here, who, who, who by God's grace have experienced that change, don't ever forget who you are. You're a Christian. You are His prized possession, a trophy of His grace. You've been put here for a purpose. The identity that we find in Christ is invincible. It is absolutely invincible. It will stand up against any attack. It'll even push right through the fires. Of, of, of death, any, anything we could face. It goes right through it. Listen to this verse, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And listen to the purpose, the goal, the aim, and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, that is Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a memory verse to put on your list. This is who I am. I am a Christian. Number two, stand firm in the Lord and fear Him, not the world. Stand firm in the Lord and fear God. Don't walk in the fear of men. Don't tremble before the the cancel culture. Don't worry about what people might say in your neighborhood if they find out that you are a Jesus Lover and obsessed with Christ and following him all the way. That you stand on his word. What what would they say? They might call me a a bigot. They might give me labels. They might. As they have for thousands of years. (laughs) That's, 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 That's the path. Stand firm in the Lord and fear him. Do not fear the world walk in obedience to him be faithful to him follow him though it hurt though you lose think of first peter what we just journeyed through that though it cost you everything he is your god by the fear of the lord one turns away from evil oh what a simple verse but so good for us to be reminded How do I avoid this darkness? How do I stand and shine bright? I'll tell you how fear the Lord. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If the world says evil is good, then what do we bring to bear? We bring the Word of God. To make sense of what is upside down. And it writes everything. It it shifts it. It makes it as it ought to be. It's, It's beautiful and right and true. We need his word. That is how we avoid being pressed into the mold of the world. And lastly, remember that God is faithful even in the darkest of times. God is faithful. Now, this is an amazing thing. We will watch this unfold week after week. God is judging Israel, they've carted off these young people, and here's Daniel and his buddies, they are in a foreign land, everything's upside down, and yet, watch how God works. He holds them, he he actually promotes them into places of influence and protection. He delivers them in amazing and miraculous ways. God is faithful even in the darkest of times. Come back next week, we'll find out how Daniel and his buddies respond to the school of paganism in Babylon. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for these reminders from your word. We thank you for the example that you have put before us with this man, Daniel, and his buddies. Oh, Father, we pray we, we need You. We, we pray that You would help us to be faithful. Help us to turn to You, to look to You for wisdom, to, to make good decisions as it relates to all of these things that we engage around us. Lord, help us to stand firm and to trust You and obey You no matter what. I pray especially for the students in our church, these young people, I pray that they would not conform to the pattern of this world, but that they would be transformed by the renewing of their mind in your word day by day. Strengthen them, equip them to live in a a uniquely dark day. Help our church to shine bright, Lord. We love our mission field. We love those who are around us who are lost and in need of you. Oh, use us, Lord, to the end of reaching them to show them the beauty of your forgiveness and the glory of Christ. Grow our church to that end that you would be glorified and that we could reach more people for you to sing your praise forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.